before I get into the Word uh, this morning, I, I just felt like God had dropped something a little bit in my spirit uh, during the first service, and, and I feel like I feel like He kind of expanded expanded on that a little bit. I, how many of you are just aware of just this amazing presence of God this morning? Amen. Um, and I was really drawn to Isaiah chapter six, uh, so just just bear with me. Uh, it says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord standing, sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above Him, each having six wings, with two each covered His face, and two each covered His feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke and so here's Isaiah and now he's got this vision and this is an amazing picture of worship that would probably scare most of us but something transformational was happening in this moment and so he responded and he said whoa I'm, I'm ruined this has just ruined me the presence of God can just ruin you and he says, for, Woe for, to me, for I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of the army. And then one of the seraphim flew to him with a burning, toll, uh, burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away in atonement made for your sin. I mean, the reassurance of God's presence when we're in this place of worship and, 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 and bringing us to a place where, you know, Isaiah was down here and now he's like, oh, there's hope again. And he, here's where I feel like the Lord just kind of dropped something into my spirit. Because in verse 8 it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, Here am I, send me. And something changed. Something changed in Isaiah where he encountered the presence of God in such a profound way that at first he said, man, I'm nothing. I'm a wreck. What, how do I even deserve to be in this place? And then God moved by His Spirit and the angel, the seraphim touched Him and it changed things. And now His posture was... Here I am, send me. And there was actually a promotion that happened in that place. I feel like that's what just transpired for many people this morning in worship. I feel like something happened in worship where you came in and you are undone. You felt like unworthy, inadequate, unqualified. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? And then in the place of worship, I feel like the Lord is saying, hey, 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 I'm the lifter of your head. I've got a mission for you. And then your posture is, send me. Here I am, send me. I'm excited to see what the Lord's doing. Amen? I'm excited to see what God is doing because He is moving profoundly by His Word, through His Word, and by His Spirit. Amen? 
And I, I don't know about you, but I, but I feel like there are people, I mean, I feel like I can I, I actually, I actually can see people and I can say, man, I can say to you right now by the Spirit of God, there's a promotion in your life. There's, a, there's something that's changed. You've got a new address. There's something that's, that's fundamentally changed just because you're coming in and God is moving in such a profound way. Can we just receive that this morning? God, I just thank you for your people. We ask God that you would just um, help us to be hearers of your word. Father, I feel so inadequate and I pray that you just help me to release what I believe that you put in my heart for your people this morning. Help us to have ears to hear what you're saying to the church. In the name of Jesus, and they all said, Amen. Can we just give the Lord a praise this morning? Put your, put your hands together. He is good. So good. Hey, listen, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write on your, on your, on your notes or whatever. It's a good thing to take notes. Write on your notes, hard of hearing. Hard of hearing. What? Say what? In fact, it reminds me there's a story, a story of a, of a, 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 a woman who took her husband to the doctor's office and, and, and after the checkup, the doctor, uh, doctor said, hey, your, your husband is suffering from very serious illness. So the, the husband actually, he's hard of hearing. So he turns to his wife and he said, you know, what did he say? And, uh, and, and, she, and she said, well, the doctor says you're sick. Then the doctor basically says, hey, wait a minute, but there's a lot of hope. Here's what I want you to do. You got to take him home. You got to take all the stress off him. You got to let him watch his favorite hunting and fishing shows. You got to cook his favorite meals all the time. You got to make sure everything, you know, whatever. And so basically, the husband basically turns to the wife and says, Hey, what did he say? And the wife turns to him and said, You're going to die. There was another story that about an elderly gentleman who was hard of hearing, and he goes, he knows he, he needs to go get a checkup, and so he goes to the audiologist, and basically they give him some, you know, new hearing aids, and now I can hear, and so basically he comes back in a couple months later for a checkup, and the audiologist goes, hey, how are you doing? Uh, what did your family think, you know, about you being able to hear now? And he said, you know, I, I didn't really tell him. I just listened to what everybody was saying. And he said, and I, I did change my will five times. <laughs> Adam in the beginning heard the sound of God walking in the garden. In Genesis 3, 8 through 10, let me just recap this, because I want to re- this has been an amazing series. And, and I want to recap some things, and then I want to talk to you about a couple things that I just feel like we need to emphasize today. In Genesis 3, 8 through 10, it says they heard the sound, somebody say sound, of, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and so I hid myself. This was the first time that we see fear introduced. And the fear that was introduced was to the sound of God. Now, when you look at the Hebrew word for sound, it's a word that's um, spelled S-H-A-M-A, shema. And what it means is it's, it's, that, it's that, that sound that brought undivided attention, that brought direction, that brought purpose, that brought fellowship, and brought instruction. 
And now man was afraid of that because of fear. And so when, when, I, when I look at this, I recognize that even after the fall, we are created to operate best hearing the sound of God. And that's why this is so important. So just recapping a few things that we might have gone through again. How many of you recognize it's important sometimes to read the manual a few times? Right? So we want to we just kind of reinforce a few things. And, um, you know, there's so many different ways that God speaks, just as we communicate in different ways. You know, it, it, it's like there's a text, there's, a, there's an email, there's a cell phone, there's in-person, there's body language, there's all kinds of stuff. One of the ways that Robbie and I communicated a, a number of years ago when I was I was driving a, I was working at night and, and driving a truck and you know, so I'd be sleeping during the day and she's awake and we, we, I don't know whose idea it was, but anyway, it was a really cool idea. So at night when I'm, when I'm working and driving, I would take a voice recorder and I would, I would record something for her. You know, I'd be just talking to her as I'm driving down the road and then she would listen to it when I'm sleeping and she'd do, and I tell you what, it was like one of the most I looked forward to it like no other, just getting on there and, and listening to what she had to say to me. There's a communication. And see, it's hard to quantify all the things that God wants to speak to us, although we're usually looking for a formula. So you know what religion does? It looks for a formula. You know, because that's kind of, that's kind of our nature. But here's some ways that I perceive that God speaks to me and we covered this one last week, but we're going to recap a few things and emphasize a few things. First of all, God speaks by His Word in the Bible. This is the, this is the prominent way that God speaks to me. And I, and I believe it's so important that you hide the Word of God in your heart. Listen, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture, all scripture is breathed by God. Another translation says God breathed. I mean, I just kind of like the way that sounds. I think it's the New King James basically says all scriptures God breathed. And I just love that because it's more than just somebody pounding out some words, some instructions, some manual. There's something so supernatural about it. But it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We also see that God speaks through creation. He speaks through creation. In Romans 1.20 it says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Now, when I think about that, I think about like an artist. I've known a few artists. And if you look at a painter, and maybe you see one painting, and you kind of get an idea, okay, that's cool, I like it. But then you see a volume of what they do. You start getting an idea where this person is coming from. Or you take somebody that's an author that writes a book. I've got some favorite authors. And you, you read the first one, and maybe it captures you. But then there'll be a few authors that I've read a number of their books. And in that, I've never talked to them face-to-face. I've never texted them. I've never called them on the phone. But yet you get an idea who they are by what they have made. Right? And this is creation. So we see this, and it says, so that 
They are without excuse. God is in, listen, God is into revealing himself. How many of you have just been around people that just love to talk? You know, I, I, I had a funny conversation with a, with a guy the other day because he just owns it. And he says, yeah, I'm up, fill in the blank. And we just love to talk. God loves to talk. God loves to speak. And there's so many different ways that he's revealing and speaking. The next one is God speaks and leads in gentle persuasion. We see the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Uh, and he said, go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a, a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. We talked about whisper, the whisper of a friend last week. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out, stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So we see that God speaks and gentle, that, that, that hunch that whisper, that impression. We also see that God speaks to my spirit. He speaks to your spirit. There's a spirit-to-spirit communication that's now available that wasn't before you became born again. Now there's something different. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. you got to have some knowing in your knower. It's like in your know. You talk to some old time, you know, people, old time Christians, believers. It's like, well, I just got the knowing in my knower. You got to have that. There's a, there's something that's spirit to spirit. God also speaks when I'm seeking Him. God speaks when I'm seeking Him. In Jeremiah twenty nine twelve through thirteen, it says, "Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me." And I will hear you. You will seek me and find you when, we, when you seek me with all of your heart. How many of you love when somebody's like wants to communicate with you half-heartedly? I mean, you, you've been in a situation where somebody's talking to you, right? And, and you can kind of just see them looking around the room. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't work for communication. There's something about being wholehearted. You know, it's kind of, I love the story of Caleb and Joshua. And I love the story about Caleb because the Bible says about him six times that he was wholehearted. We all want, I mean, we, there's something in us that understands the need to be wholehearted. You, do, you, you don't do anything if you're half-hearted, right? There's something here about pursuing. And I believe there's an anticipation in the heart of God. When we seek Him, there's something like, I mean, I know like when my, when my grandchildren come up to me, and, and I know what they're going to do. They want to hug on me. I mean, there's something in me that says, come on, bring it on. You know, it's, it's so good and it moves the, the heart of God. And seeking Him is a response because we became aware that He first sought us out. There was an all-out search. He loved us and He searched for us. He loved you and He searched for you while yet you had been not found. God speaks to us also prophetically. Now, if you've come from like a cessationist camp, conservative camp, like I used to, basically there's something, there's something maybe this is a little different from you, but like for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, Paul writes, do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, and test all things, hold fast 
to what is good. So we know that God will stand up, Jesus will stand up in people and speak to other people, but it always has to meet the plumb line of the Word. There's a balance in it, okay? Uh, the Bible itself is prophetic, and God breathed all 66 books of the Bible. God breathed, but the Holy Spirit also works in people. And we see prophetic ministry not only in the Old Testament, but also prolific in the New Testament life of the church. So why would God in the past, speaking by His Spirit, speaking through people, now decide that all He's going to do is email you? Okay, so we, we have to walk through this. God will speak through godly counsel. Godly, not just counsel, but godly counsel. I'm really careful who I take counsel from. I want to make sure that I know where the root is from. If they're rooted, I see the fruits in their life. I see the consistency in life. That's who I'm going to go and I'm going to take counsel from. Basically, Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counsels, there's safety. Why do I say godly counsel? Good counsel. Because listen, that's what I need. Um, My... My mom was a wonderful mom. I mean, she was amazing. All of her kids, she kept us in church. And all of her kids are walking with the Lord today. Her grandkids are walking with the Lord. Her great-grandkids are walking with the Lord. But one area that she super struggled in, just, just, just being real, was she had a terrible time with marriage relationships. She was divorced and married five times. Robbie and I have been married for 40, going on 41 years. Not once did I ever go to my mom and ask for counsel regarding marriage. Just saying. Okay, so, so, so godly counsel is important. And then there's confirmation. I'm looking for confirmation. Uh, Matthew 18, 16, Jesus said, but... If you will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, this is a principle that Jesus was using that came out of the book of Deuteronomy. And we understand that this is in the context of offense and sin accountability. But you find that same principle of confirmation when Paul is writing to the church in 2 Corinthians 13.1 and speaks of a matter being established in the mouth of two or three. So, for example, what I try to do is I feel like, okay, I feel like this is a word that God's dropping into me, a direction, an opportunity. So, I, first of all, I feel like, okay, that's a witness in my spirit. Or then, it might be that somebody, the Holy Spirit works through somebody and has a word for me. And then somebody else has a word for me. You know what? That's not the prophetic is one witness. So I, I take all of this and I'm, going, I'm looking for in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. I want to see if it confirms something, if it's a knowing in my knower, okay? If it's, if it's, if it's something that, like, like if God said, uh, man, I just, somebody came up to me and said, uh, Pastor, I think you're supposed to go to Africa and, and basically build up the church there. I'm like, well... Okay, that's really cool because there's a need. I don't see anything in here that says don't go to Africa and build up the church. But I'm looking for, I'm looking for confirmation. So let me, let me give you a, a passage that we're going to draw out a couple, uh, couple uh, truths. In Luke 22, verse 7 through 13, Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John 
saying, this is, the, this, is the, this is the will, this is the directive, saying, go prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. And then they said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he's going to show you a large, furnished, upper room prepared there. They left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So what was the directive? Jesus wanted them to prepare for the Passover. But then there was like several steps practical of some confirmation. I mean, he said, go in and you're going to see some dude carrying a water jug. In the culture, in the time, that would not be unusual. So, now you're going to, and I'd love to men like, you know, just a fly on the wall just watching this happen. Hey, that guy's carrying a jug over there. Maybe that's the guy Jesus is talking about. Yeah, but he's not going into a house. So we're going to follow that guy because he just went into a house. They're taking steps of faith, but these are steps of confirmation. And then they, you know, they go to the owner and they say, Hey, listen, the teacher says, do you have a large room that's furnished? So you see the practical steps and the process of some confirmation that really helps them walk through this. And I'd say there's also biblical emotions. And what I want to say is biblical emotions. Not just emotions. Biblical emotions that you can use for confirmation. For example, Philippians 4.7 speaks of peace. As well as Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So when I think about the peace of God ruling in my heart, and then when I'm trying to hear from the Lord and feel like something, I want to make sure that I feel the peace of God in it. Now that doesn't mean when you do something, there's times when you you step in into something and there's some uncertainty and there's some like, okay, I'm not sure how this is going to work. But what I'll do is I'll wait. And if I don't find the peace of God in it, it's usually... Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that every time I let that be my barometer. But there's time, man, when I've just pushed through that piece. And then later, almost every time, I'm like, oh, man, I just bypassed one of the biggest things that will keep me conformed and confirmed in the Word of the Lord. Well, then you see in Philippians 4, 4, it speaks of joy. And then you see in Philippians 4, 11-13, it speaks of contentment. So there's some things that you can use as you're walking through. Uh, man, I feel like i got this great job opportunity. Mm, I just don't feel like a peace. Or I'm going to buy this house. Or I'm going to make this decision in my vocational uh, ministry life or whatever. But you got, you got to look at this step because there's a peace of Christ that surpasses. Even if you don't know all the details. I can guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Or look at circumstances and events. God will speak through circumstances and He will speak through events. Listen, if He can speak through creation, He can certainly speak through events. We find this in Acts 18, verses 1. You guys all hanging with me? It's good. Okay. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. 
And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation... They were tent makers. Now, so here, here's what happens. This is one of the most fruitful alliances and relationships we see in the early church. And we see that circumstances and even a common trade brought them together and God was in it. I don't really believe in coincidences. I actually believe in divine appointments. I mean, if, if the Bible says a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps, then that means the steps that bring you into divine relationships, opportunities, and stuff like that. You just got to realize that's how God wants us to walk. So so when you're looking at this, you see God's definitely doing things through circumstances and events. Now, I have recognized that one of the things in my life is my ears are not as good as they used to be. They just aren't. Uh, you know, in my mind, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, admit that, but I recognize in reality, it's it's true. Uh, Robbie and I sometimes will just laugh hard because, you know, we're we're maybe we're driving, we're going home, we're doing something, and I'll she'll say something, and I think she said something totally different, and then we're both just belly laughing because we realize, man, see see, there's some environmental things. As you move and go forward and get a little older, I, I, I recognize that the check engine light comes on a little bit more often, right? The old meter is there. I don't feel, I'm not old. You know, your spirit never gets old. But still, there's this thing. You, I, you can't quite do what you used to do. And then I was talking to some really, really old person, and they said, man, the check light not only comes on more often, it stays on. So there's environmental things. There's like, you know, I mean, I was raised up around loud cars, loud guns, loud guitars, all of this stuff, and things don't quite work. I remember a time Robbie and I got married, and we actually, we had a rock and roll band. I mean, that's what we did. And, you know, it's like, if you weren't really good, you just turned it up louder. I remember my mom gave me, she, she bought me my first electric guitar amp when I was about, I don't know, 14 years old, 15 years old. Man, I'm telling you what, the only, on that dial, the only place you could put that dial was 10. And so I remember one time we were, we were practicing with our, with our band in, in the basement of the house that we were living in. And I mean, we were, we felt like, hey, this is really good. We're doing it. You know, Robbie's like pulling off some, Fleetwood Mac or Pat Benatar or some classic rock like that. I mean, seriously, y'all. And I heard this pounding on the door and I heard this, and I'm thought, oh, he just said, play some more. I thought that was really cool. My neighbors are loving what we're doing. Play some more. Well, then I heard it again and I realized somebody was saying, come to the front door. And it was a policeman. And so... Being hard of hearing can be dangerous. You know what I'm saying? And then we can also develop selective hearing. Seriously. Selective hearing. And selective hearing 
is actually dangerous to your spiritual well-being. I, I, a couple years ago, I decided, you know, I probably need to go get a hearing check. So I went into Costco, you know, with the audiologist guy there. And he said, he said you know, and, and here's the crazy thing. Like, there's this little teeny, um, we have this pellet stove, the, kind of a new fancy pellet stove. supposed to be like the Swiss Army knife of pellet stoves. And so it has these little alarms. And one of the alarms is when you're either out of pellets or it won't light. And I'm telling you what. That thing goes off. My wife can hear that in the back bedroom. I can be sitting in the living room and go, what are you running out here, you know, turning that thing off for? So I go into Costco. I probably need to get my hearing checked. And he said, you know, he said, your hearing is, is like 90% good all the way across, except this little thing, this little, um, you know, this little frequency, you know, group right here. And then it goes back up, and I'm going, I wonder if that's the frequency my wife's voice falls into. <laughs> Not really. I hear her every time, every word she says. Phew. Just about got out of that one, didn't I? But here's what he said. He said, so you've got this, this kind of like frequency thing right here. And he said, here's the issue. We really can't do anything about that. There's no way to like amplify that. And you know what the thought that struck me? is the church has to regain the frequency that we've lost in hearing the Lord. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that's why this series is so important. Is we've got to get back to this place where we can recover and regain that frequency that God is speaking on. Now there's some things that cause hard a heart of hearing when it comes to God. First of all, I talked about a little bit about fear. There's been a fear and tendency from way back to hear God. If I go back to Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21, it says, All the people perceived the thunder and lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and that in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. So many times we're content to stand at a distance. We're, we're, we're content to let somebody else hear the voice of God for us. And it's so important and imperative that we, that we move from that place. And, and sometimes it's because sometimes God says crazy things to people. I don't want... To, I, I, there's enough crazy out there. I don't need crazy from God. I mean, God spoke to the prophet Hosea and said... I want you to marry a prostitute. God spoke to Jeremiah where He said, I've known you from your mother's birth. And Jeremiah was jailed. I mean, seriously, the things that Jeremiah went through. God spoke to Isaiah. And He told him not to wear clothes for three years. If God's speaking that to you, I'm not confirming it. I'm saying it's ugly. I I can't unthink that. So don't go there. But sometimes we fear 
what God will speak to us because maybe God will tell us, I need you to shift out of this relationship because it's not good. I need you to commit here. I, I need you to, I need you to, listen, and so we, we've got to get to the place where, like, God, if you're going to speak to me, even in areas that are difficult, how many of you would be good parents if all you told your kids was the good stuff? And there was never a correction. There's never a correction. I'm telling you what, the correction can save your life. Can save your family. Can save your marriage. I was out the other day, Robbie and I were walking with my, my little bird dog. She's a little red setter, little Celtic setter. She's only about this tall. Uh, her name is Molly. And I've been working with Molly really hard on just training, you know, heal. And, and one of the things that you do with a bird dog is you teach them to woe. Okay, so what happens is when you, 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 you teach them, I mean, I'll grab her and I'll make her be still woe. Whoa. She moves. I'll put her back. Whoa. 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 And then she can come. I, she doesn't understand the necessity for that, but I do. So Robbie and I, and, and one of the things that you want to do with that bird dog, is I don't care if she's here or she's over there. When I put my hand up and say, whoa, I want her to Stop. So we're out, and we're walking, and she's a ways a little bit, and boom, a car starts coming around the corner. She's across the road. I see her, she sees me, and I realize, whoa, she, she made me so proud. <laughs> I mean, she just locks up on the other side of the road till that car goes by. And I, and I told Robbie, I said, that just saved her life. The voice of God will save your life, but the enemy wants to come in and make you fearful for what he will say to you. Come on, man. It's, it's so important we get this. And so there's been a fear and a tendency from way back to hear God. The next thing that keeps you from hearing God is anger. Frustration. It's not anger, but I am really frustrated. That's just a fancy word for anger. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The Old Testament defines the word righteousness as being in right relationship. It's this way and it's that way. Abraham believed God and was counted to him as right relationship. Righteousness. Sadaqwa is a Hebrew word. So, if I'm angry and I walk in anger, it's not producing, it's not facilitating a right relationship with God, then how can... I hear. You know what? One of the first recorded words that God spoke to Cain was, why are you angry? Sin is crouching at your door. We can't be angry people. We don't change things by being angry people. Have you ever talked to an angry people, angry person? Try to have, actually have communication with them? It doesn't usually lend to great conversation. Or busy. Busy will keep us. Busy will keep us. It's like that four-letter Christian word, busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. It's almost like the firewall. I'm busy. I really don't want to talk about it. And I'm busy. And it speaks of a lack of cultivating conversation with God. Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see 
what He will say to me. And whatever, what I will answer concerning my request, my complaint. See, you can't learn from God. And you can't learn to hear from God if you don't, do not cultivate a time, a place, and a discipline to hear from Him. Discipline. Discipline. Man, we have such a hard time with discipline. But yet, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Discipline. Discipline. Discipleship. 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 Get on the ship of disciples. Discipleship. That means you've got to have some discipline in your life. Listen, if you have, if you have a dream to be healthy and you don't discipline yourself, then it's just a vain imagination. Right? You've got you to put some discipleship to that. Or how about disobedience? Disobedience will keep you hard of hearing. Last week I quoted Pastor Mark Batterson when he said this. I'm going to do it again. It was so good. He said, if you aren't willing to listen to everything God has to say, you eventually won't hear anything He has to say. If you want to hear His comforting voice, you have to listen to His convicting voice. And can I just say this? Preaching is dangerous. Why is preaching is dangerous? Because preaching can lead to becoming deaf. Preaching is incredibly dangerous because those who listen but don't obey become deaf. How? We all know people who sleep through an alarm clock or live beside a landing strip but never hear the plane. And hearing without heeding leads to deafness. It talks about this concept in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament. Preaching the Word of God is designed to move us into the direction of God. And by not heeding the Word of God, there's a hardness that ensues out of being disobedient to the Word. This is a harsh reality. But a huge part of what we experience is that we want God to bless our relationships, but we don't want to hear about the lack of forgiveness or bitterness that may be hindering those relationships. Typically what we want to do is we want God to change the other person. We're terrible about owning our own junk. We are, aren't we? I want her to change. I don't want me to change. Lord Jesus, change my wife. Gosh, she's a tough woman to live with. Right? And yet, our first step should be, God, search me, oh God, know my heart, see if there be any wicked in me. A huge part of what we experience is we want God to bless our relationships but we don't want to hear about the lack of forgiveness or bitterness. We want God to bless our plans, but we don't take time to listen to Him before we make our plans. We make our plans and then we're just like, please, you know, give me the rubber stamp, God. We want God to bless our money, but we don't want to hear and obey what He says about our money. And then we're in financial like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I've been trying to talk to you in Malachi. I've been trying to talk to you in Luke. I've been trying to talk to you in Proverbs. I've been trying to talk to you in the multitude of good counsel. You know, one of the things that's blessed my life profoundly, technology, is like 
directions on my phone. I mean, I hated like going to cities that I didn't know, like Seattle or Portland or South Southern California. You know, I mean, in the old days, it'd be it's taking a lot of pressure off my wife because she was always a co-pilot. And she's got the directions and she's got the map. Well, now I got a co-pilot right here. I mean, every once in a while, it's like I don't, I still don't adhere to it and I don't take the right turn. And then you hear this recalculating. <laughs> Robbie actually changed the voice in her, uh, you know, navigational thing to an English voice. And I'm thinking because it makes it sound a little nicer or something like that. I listen to mine and I'm serious, like the first few things I would hear recalculating, it sounded like it was an indictment. Recalculating. Because you know you missed it. But this is what the voice of God and hearing God, what He wants to do in your life. He wants to help you navigate through the traffic, through the wrecks, through the detours through the storms, through the trials. He wants, to, he wants to make sure that you're so in tune with Him that those things don't intimidate you any longer. And then when you do mess up, recalculating, all things work together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Recalculating. This, this is why it's so important. And finally, one of my favorite and challenging verses of Scripture Isaiah 50, verse 4. And it says, The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen as a disciple. There's a purpose. It reminds me that hearing from God is not just for me. He speaks to me out of a desire for relationship. He speaks to me to transform me into His image. He speaks to me to heal the damage that sin has done. He speaks to me to heal the damage that words from people have done. He speaks to me to to heal that Father's wound that's in me and in you. That emptiness. He speaks to me to build up what's been torn down. I mean, these are all things that God, God is doing. He goes to multiple ends to communicate. He's communicating through His Word, through creation, through people, through confirmation, through events, through circumstances, through tragedies and triumphs. God's voice can be heard if you will listen, if you will learn to hear, learn to recognize. And then He speaks to me as a friend. Because Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. And God whispers to us. And I love that concept. I preached about it last week, the whisper of God. Because when you whisper to somebody, it's intimate. you got to lean in. And they lean in. And I believe that's the purpose of God whispering to us. And then He speaks to me to speak to others. It's not just about my stuff. There's a weary world out there that needs to be sustained. I cannot afford to be hard of hearing in this season, and neither can you. We can't afford it because people around us can't afford it. There's so much anxiety and fear, uncertainty, insecurity, and damage that God is saying, hey, I need you to go come up to another level 
because I want to give you something that will actually be like the balm of Gilead out into your community, out into your workplace. I want to give you the wisdom that actually you speak into your family and bam, things begin to come together in a kingdom way. I want to pray this morning for a refreshing in the area of hearing God today. It's the only way to truly experience peace, joy, love in the kingdom. I'd love to be able to say, hey, listen, you know what? It's, everything is going to be fine. But what I, I can't tell you that because there's storms and there's, there's just life. And there's, we live in this broken world. But what I can tell you is you develop the ability, the tenacity, the intimacy to hear the voice of God. And He's going to carry you through those storms. And if you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity today. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, these are the words of Jesus. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I believe there are people here. There might be people online that are joining us, but you just need the rest of God that comes through a relationship with Jesus. He wants to speak with you. And the Bible says when we've been born again, there's a way that we now communicate with God that we didn't before. It's so amazing. So church, can we, can we just pray this prayer together? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. I turn to you. I open the door of my heart and ask you to come in. And I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Now, can can I just ask you, if you prayed this for the first time, whether you're with us online or you're here in in the sanctuary, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you, first of all, I want, I want to just remember what I talked about in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. I want you to just raise your hand right where you sit. If, if today's the day you're saying, I prayed that for the first time, and today's the day I want to follow Jesus, because we want to celebrate with you. So if I can't see you, just wave at me and make sure that you... If you're online with us, uh, there's, a, there's a link where you can click on a connection card and just indicate on it. Uh, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. I've I become a follower of Jesus today. We'd love to partner with you, give you some resources to walk with you. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you soften our hearts and that you open our ears and that, God, we are a people that will make time for you, will we'll see who you are in creation, will hear who you are and what you're about in your word. And, and God will, whether it's the still small voice, whether it's the events, whether it's the circumstances, whether it's the confirmation, whether it's just living together in community, we, we need to learn. How, I believe there's a different level of hearing that you want us to walk in. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, that's me, pastor, I need to walk in a, di- I, wanna, I want to, 
Maybe you know you need to, but there's a desire in you to hear from the Lord like you've never heard from God before. Listen, don't let fear stop you. Don't let the enemy stop you. Don't let what you think might happen stop you. Just say, this is me. I'm raising my hand. I'm like, I need to hear from you. If that's you, just come on. Can we just respond? And you're just saying, I need to hear from the Lord in a fresh way. Thank you for that hand. Come on. I need to hear from you. I need to perceive what you're doing. I'm excited, Lord, for what you want to do on the earth, in my life, in my community, in my family, in the name of Jesus. And they all said, amen.